Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. And tonight is our Bible study. We're talking about Lot tonight. Uh, we just finished off our uh, Bible reading, and what a phenomenal passage. I thank God for it. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started. We got a lot to talk about. Who wants to lead us in prayer tonight? Okay. Thank you, Lord, for gathering us here tonight on our Thursday night prayer, Lord. We just want to give you um, praise and thank you so much for just allowing our minds to be open to the information that you're pouring into us, Lord. Please open our minds and our hearts to you, Lord. Please allow us to hear these words and feel these words the way that you had them meant, Lord. And please allow us to grasp and understand what we are going through, Lord. Allow us to just soak it all up and continue to feed us with the knowledge that you're giving us. Thank you so much for bringing us together tonight, Lord. We praise and honor you, Lord. And thank you so much for giving us our mom that is going through this Bible study with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, a couple of things I wanted to start with before I go through uh, my notes and what I wanted to cover tonight. Did y'all notice how, number one, uh, I ain't even going to get to Lot yet. But with Abraham, when Ishmael, he was actually 14 when uh, Isaac was born, right? Right. Because it said, I think it said something like, Abraham was 86 when he was born. But that just took it to a different level because we're going to continue to get through the scriptures. But it's it's a place in there where Ishmael was making fun of Isaac. And I always considered them to be little boys. Boy, you was a whole grown man <laughs> messing with a little kid. But anyway, so that, that stood out to me. And then remember how last week we were talking about how Abraham and Isaac's, uh, both of their entourages or, or their people on their side, they couldn't get along. Right. Because they had, all, they had so much wealth and all of that livestock and it wasn't enough land for both of them to, to, to use. And you know, livestock, they have to graze you know, on the land. So they like, okay, well, it ain't enough for all of us. And so they started bickering and fighting over that. So that, that kind of stood out. And it was something else as we were listening to those uh, scriptures that, that kind of stood out to me. But this is a fascinating story um, about how, how the, the nephew, the nephew followed in his uncle's footsteps. And if you think about it, his uh, brother, his brother actually died. And so the nephew was taken in by uh, Abraham's father and Abraham. So they both equally raised him. But the thing that kind of got me about that, too, is just their sense of family. Even though they were idol worshipers and, and stuff like that, and they didn't really have a clear... Um, commitment to God, they still live that godly principle, you know, that we gonna look out for family. But anyway, those were just a couple of things that stood out to me. So, so let's just do a quick 
little review and then we'll get into uh, the study. But so Lot, as we learned, he was the nephew of Abraham and his name actually means to conceal or to cover. So to conceal or to cover. Man, my brain is not going to let me get past this. It was one little thought. It was something I heard in those scriptures. Lord, just let it come back to me so I won't be so distracted. Um, mm, but anyway, and so he wind up, remember at the end when it talked about, when we got into uh, chapter 19, it talked about how his daughters actually tried to conceive, or they didn't try to, they were successful. They wanted to conceive with their father because they didn't think, they actually, when everything happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, you can imagine, they thought the world was over. So they didn't know that there were other uh, uh, people in the world. And they figured, hey, we need more children through our, our father. But the children that they had um, actually were the uh, the descendants from, those, from their children were the Moabites and the Amorites. And those were the ones who were the enemies of Israel. Mm. So we're going to learn about that too. But it's like when you put all of this stuff together. Oh, that's, that was the thought I had. When we were listening about um, Abraham and um, Abraham and Sarah and how they laughed when God told them that Isaac was going to come. And his name means laughter. Right. To me, that kind of hit me in a different way because I was like, just imagine that as a parent, our actions actually define the identity of our children. And so when you think about it, they did something, their behavior became the actual name of their kids. And as parents, we have to consider our actions and our ways and our behaviors because then these kids, you know, they might be walking around named Darius or (laughs) Derek or, you know, Sierra, Brianna, Mariana, you know, uh, India, but their actions are reflective of what we put in them. So that was just kind of deep for me. I don't yeah. know. I got to meditate now on I that one. when they said his name is Isaac <laughs> and his laughter. Right, right. And the, and the other thing, too, I would admonish you to do is when y'all go back, listen to the, I mean, you know, read the scripture, listen to the scripture and ask God, what is it that you want me to get out of this, right? All right, so, so, Lot, the other thing, one of the things about his identity was, if you notice, he was somebody who was influenced by his environment. So he was very influenced by the things going around uh, uh, him. And he invested so much into um, an evil place and space and so much so to the point that it was difficult for him to uproot and leave when it was time to go. And uh, he... As long as he stayed with his uncle, if you notice, when he was with his uncle, he stayed out of trouble. Right. But then when he separated from his uncle, we already know, because it talked about those five. Did y'all catch that? It talked about those five kings who went to war. Right. And so they went to war, and guess what? As a result of that world war, um, Lot and his family were captured. And so they were captured as plunder for the war and for the king that won. 
And guess what happened? His uncle was like, uh-uh, that's my nephew. They went up in there and got him back. They got him. They got all his possessions. He ain't lose nothing. His uncle came up there and regulated. And then guess what he did? Dropped him right off out the door. And Sodom and Gomorrah was like, go, uh-huh, have some fun. Go go on about your life. Ain't nobody about to mess with you. I'm t- Man, I grew up with men like that. I grew up with men like that. They did not play. Okay. Oh, look, I wanted to say about him environment he literally was about to give his daughter to vultures right that's how influenced by his environment he was he knew and understood the level of evil that they operated in that's just like like me i'm from detroit and so i know if we go in in certain neighborhoods in detroit which by the way i still to this day feel like i can walk in any neighborhood that i'm from and not have a fear but i ain't going downtown cincinnati at night that's just me (laughs) but i'm more familiar with detroit but in certain areas, I, I'm going to tell people, hey, you go out here, you don't want to do such and such. So if you come to my house and I'm living in that neighborhood, I'm going to tell you, stay stay away from that. Right. I always had a problem with the fact that Lot was willing to, man, I can't believe I'm about to get emotional over this, that he was willing to sacrifice his daughter for those for those men. The Bible portrayed them as men, but that was God. That was those were angels. Because remember, when God was talking to to Abraham, Abraham, he said, <coughs> "Excuse me." God said, "I'm going. I'm about to go." Abraham said, "Oh no, 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 no! My my nephew over there. Don't go there. Don't go there." You know, and so he stopped him on the path. We get further along in the story, and when the angels were there. I, I, I'm not going to say that they were God, but they were a part of God. They were they were God personified right. as those angels. And when they were there, Lot said, I'm not willing to have them have you. I will sacrifice my children. And who else did that? We're going to learn that as we get to the next few scriptures. Abraham. Hmm. So when we think about the identity of God, we think about some of the uh, stories throughout the Bible and how you see this pattern of, of the things. Now, a lot of people don't extract that out of the story about Lot. They look at it like I used to. Like, man, who? And they just, y'all men, go out there and fight. You know, as a matter of fact, y'all angels, y'all probably can beat them. You know, would be my position. And that's how I always looked at it. But I'm telling you, it's something about going through at this time right. that that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, man. I was not looking at it that way, but that makes so much sense. He knew it was God. Yeah. It was something in Lot that Lot knew. And, and this is the other thing, too. And I think this is what made me emotional earlier because every time I pray and I pray for our family members, those who are not... Uh, you know, uh, that that are worshiping idols or or outside of the will of God. My thing is, God, if you just expose yourself to them, because if they know you, they're going to love you. And if they love you, they will obey you. And if they obey you, they're going to walk in your will. And so something like that, Lot, you came from your granddaddy was an idol worshiper and all y'all did was that, then you're going to go from one bad situation into this evil place and doing all this evil stuff with these people. But you saw something in them angels and you said, I would be, I would rather 
sacrifice what God has blessed me with, what is most precious to me, than to have them, you know, take take you. So anyway, that that was deep for me. Uh, but it was something else I was trying to point out uh, about that story. But I think I'll get back to it. I hope I get back to it. But okay, so Lot was the son of his father's name was Haran. Haran. And he was Abraham's brother. And so we know that Lot uh, accompanied uh, Abraham during his journey uh, to the promised land. And, um, and he later, because of the issues that they had, he moved to Sodom uh, to a place where he and his family were surrounded by sin and corruption. They were surrounded by sin and corruption. And we noticed that when he left the city, when he left the city, uh, that um, uh, his wife looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. But did y'all notice something during the time when the angels were telling him, look, we done blinded them. They can't see. They out there looking like fools trying to get in here still. You better get up out of here because we about to destroy all of this. Why did he have to pull him out? Right. Like, did you not just see what they did? They just blinded them. That showed right. you manifestation of their power. They telling you they about to destroy this right. whole uh, Sodom and Gomorrah situation. And you're going to just stay there? Right. It's the, the Bible says that they pulled, that he pulled him out. And sometimes sin, when we get in sin, God has to pull us out. If you remember when Abraham was negotiating with God, he said, well, if, if we can get 50. And God said, okay, I'll give you 50. Well, if we can get 45. He got him down to 30. And then he said, well, look, if we can get just 10. God, in all of his wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, knew that it wasn't one. <laughs> Not even Lot, right? Right. But he said, all right, Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. God is a gentleman. And we take him through the same thing. When we live in our lives, we like, God, if you just let me just do it one more time. If I could just be this one more time. God said, uh-uh, I'm about to destroy it. I'm about to tear it down because it is destroying who? You. So I'm bringing you up out of that. It, hey, guess what? Nah, I ain't coming. I just, I got too much vested here. Up, oh, you not. Let me pour you out. And he still did what he said he was going to do. All right, so some other scriptures that we did not go through that you all should should look at is Deuteronomy 2 and 9 uh, and 2 and 19 and Psalms 83 and 8, Luke 17, 28 and 29 and Luke 17, 32. And 2 Peter 2 and 7. Because we already did chapters uh, 13, 14, and 19 of Genesis to talk about it. Uh, can you repeat the psalm? Uh, psalm 83, uh, verse 8. All right, so again, we talked about this, but we know that uh, Lot grew his wealth and his flock to a point that he had to part ways with his uncle because 
it was just way too much and they didn't have enough land uh, for both of them. And sometimes God will bless us in such a way that he blesses us beyond our comfort and our support system. And it's like, okay, you got to go, you got to go to a new land. The problem is uh, Lot was, was driven by what he see versus his, his, the spirit you know, leading him. But we got the Holy Spirit leading us. So that separation had to happen. But it's just the decision that he made uh, was was a little silly. All right. So, uh, yes, that's the other thing. Abraham taught Lot. So Abraham taught him a lot about God. And and here I am saying Lot a lot. (laughs) about God and it's funny because I think that played into him being able to identify uh, those angels alright so Lot was he was a, a livestock owner and it shows somewhere I forget the scripture but but the fact that he was waiting at the gate means that he was some kind of official he was he was he had some type of high ranking role and position and sometimes we got to think about that too. Now you living in all of Sodom and Gomorrah and you turn around and can't leave it because you got your position, you got all your possessions and all of this stuff. And you like, oh, I don't want to leave it because all of this means so much to me. And I can't remember, but I'm going to have to go back uh, when I was reading through this and going through my notes. It, when Jesus was speaking about the end times, he was saying that we're going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody living it up, partying, doing what they want to do, turning away from God. And then, you know, that's when the destruction is going to come. And if you think about how it came with them, it was fire and brimstone. So we got to be careful now. Uh, Global warming. I ain't even going to go there. All right. All right. So he was born in Ur. uh, Remember, because he was from uh, he was of the Chaldeans, right? And they were from Ur. So again, his father was Haran, his uncle was Abraham, and they didn't name his wife nor his daughters. So that, you know, I I don't want to say that the Bible is, you know, some of these uh, scriptures are, uh, uh, I know it's not sexist, but it just sometimes it may, it highlights the men, and sometimes it, it, it will leave a person unnamed and that makes me wonder like why is it not naming that person but naming others is it and it doesn't denote their significance or insignificance because sometimes it'd be people that's like this the uh star of the story you know but sometimes i think it's just so so we could be like okay you know where can i find me in that you know like the wife you know where can i find me and how she was so attached. She, girl, if they said, if they tell me run and do not look back, That's guess what? what? I'm like, is she turned into a pillar of salt because she looks back? I love my dollhouse. houses. I love uh, a lot of this stuff in here. You done show me, you done blinded them. And you telling me you about to destroy and you say run and don't look back. I ain't looking back. Uh, sent you. Right. Yes, but yes, she was turned into a pillar of salt. And and I really want to understand, and I know someone has probably done a study on this, but what is the significance 
of the salt. Salt salt tends to preserve things. Salt, you know, why did God turn her into a pillar of salt other than to just show them, don't turn around. I mean, don't do what your mama did. I don't keep on going. You know, and then the daughters, you know, with them, they they were so afraid because of what they experienced. Now, you don't love, first of all, your daddy done uprooted you. You don't left your homeland. Then you seen the, the dysfunction in the family. Him and the uncle done got into it. All they boys probably getting into it. And you like, oh, man, all this stress and strain. Then finally, the trauma of seeing a, a city destroyed. I mean, that's, that's natural disaster. You know, in their minds, it's probably like, oh, they looking at it as a natural disaster. But we heard them angels saying what they was about to do. So we know what's happening. So they thinking that the world is over. So they're acting out of fear and thinking in their minds that what they're doing is right, but it created a bigger mess than, you know, them just waiting on God and trusting God. All right, so uh, yes, yes. So when, when Lot, when he moved away from the covenant, Abraham represents the covenant. When he moved away from the covenant, he moved towards sin. And we do that too. God has given us covering and covenant relationships. And when we depart from that, we move towards sin. Um, you know. And so and, and Pete, uh, Peter and and those scriptures I gave you, he he said that Lot was distressed by the evil going on about him, and he did not uh Want he didn't actually want to leave Sodom, and I, I just don't understand that. Like when it's a bunch of evil and mess around. Like even if I had somewhere to go, at some point in my walk and frustration, I used to think like, Dad, where can I go? That it ain't a whole bunch of craziness and evilness and all of that. And I'm telling you, I searched this whole United States, and I was like, Ohio is probably just as good as anywhere else. All right, so, um, all right, so, so despite, the other thing is despite what Lot did and how Lot was living his life, God considered him and his family righteous, and so he considered them righteous, and he saved them. Do y'all know what we saw that before? Noah. Noah. And I believe that God saw him as righteous, not because of him, but because of his uncle, because he he chose him. He was the chosen one. So sometimes just the mere relationship that we have, you know, with with our family members will bring us into, you know, the blessings of God. And so uh on the verge of of Sodom's destruction those two angels they led Lot and his wife and two daughters away and they had the nerve to have to pull them out and it, and you know what I'm judging them but sometimes God had to pull me out of sin because if you think about it in this story Sodom and Gomorrah represent sin right Sodom and Gomorrah represents sin Abraham represents God's covenant 
Lot represents us, our actions, our behaviors, Lot and his family. And it's like when, as soon as he drew away from that covenant and drew away from that covering of God, then he moved towards sin and he got so attached to that sin that he was like, I don't want to lose my position, my prestige. Here I am, a city official. I got all this livestock. I got all of this stuff. I'm not, uh-uh, no. I'm, I'm not leaving none of this. And did y'all notice that when the angels came and they said, they said, we're going to destroy the city. He said, I want you to go to the hills. And he told him to go to the cave. And Lot was like, well, I don't know what's going to happen in the cave. I don't want to go to the cave. Please don't send me to the cave. Can I go to this small city over there? What did they call it? Zor, Zor or something like that. And so... If you listen, when we get further along, where did he wind up? The in the cave. They told you where to go. You told us, oh, no, I don't want to go there because I don't know what's going to happen. All right, like, at this point in the story, you need a hearing aid or some better listening skills because you just keep doing stuff that don't even make no sense and you keep making stuff worse for yourself. But anyway, but back to his wife, when she turned back and, and looked, you know, to me personally, when I think about it, I feel like she did that because she could not let go. She could not let go of the past. She did not want to let that stuff go. She had too many good memories. She was just overlooking the fact that they was all gay up in there doing stuff with each other. Like, girl, they done came to your house to bring some men out. Your husband is offering up your daughters. I don't want no parts of this. Goodbye. Good riddance. And I'm, and I'm different because I'm the type of person, once I'm done, I'm done. Like, when I love Detroit, I'm like, uh, bye. <laughs> I don't have no desire to come back. And especially now that my mama gone, it's like too many, too many bad memories. But anyway, I can't blame her because there's certain things that I look back on as far as sin and things that God brought me out of. And I have to look back and be like, dang, I wish I could go back to that. God said, nope. You about to turn into a pillar of salt. But somebody, I'm telling y'all, this week, let's let's try to, because I think it's something significant there. Like, why did he turn her into a pillar of salt? But we're going we gonna to figure that out. All right, so Lot's daughters, again, they, they, they got scared because they didn't see what we see. We can, re- we can go back and read the story. We know that Abraham was not too far... And then, girl, why did y'all think everybody was dead when your uncle just came and saved y'all? Y'all, He just came and kicked them king's butts on y'all behalf, and y'all thinking everybody gone. But anyway, they were in such despair that they um, raped their raped they daddy. They raped their daddy. Think about it. They, they put Bill Cosby in jail for what them girls did to their daddy. Y'all gonna get him drunk and then procreate with your father and back then that the the fact that they were with their father to us in our modern day time it's like ew what the heck who whatever but it was something more traditional for them because remember this was this was in the beginning even though it was years you know generations i think they were what at this point 11 12 generations from adam and eve but they still, it wasn't uncommon that they did stuff like that. But that that was just a little weird. Like, y'all, y'all, something wrong with y'all. But if you think about it, what we expose our kids to 
is what becomes common to them and they don't they didn't have that that uh uh trigger or that indicator to say uh we shouldn't do this because they probably seen any and everything in Sodom and Gomorrah they probably was doing all that kind of stuff and they was like hmm why don't we try it because it's nasty that's why you shouldn't try stupid I mean (laughs) I said stupid all right so um let's see so going back to to that right so they had their descendants who uh what did we say her the one daughter's son name was moab and the other one was ben something what was the other one name ben ben knight something i don't know but anyway it was um yeah ammonites but it was like ben something not ben amaya something but anyway so but the point that I'm making is that the oldest daughter's son, Moab, was the um, like the great-great-great-grandfather of Ruth. And we're going to learn about Ruth and Naomi and, and Boaz and all of that stuff. And she was a direct ancestor of Jesus, right? So when we go through the Bible, we, we read these scriptures and we tie their bloodline, you know, down uh you know and learn that uh you know it's a tie to it so so i think one of the takeaways i'm taking from this and this might not be right the right way to look at it but it don't matter how you started it don't matter how your family started it don't matter what kind of craziness is back in your generation or ain't through your bloodline it's like but god can use you to usher in his promise and ultimately, the Savior. Can you believe it? And, and we're gonna talk about he had a he had a prostitute in his bloodline too. But anyway, uh, but that's that's just that's just crazy. All right. So one of the things that I took away about Lot, Lot was loyal to his uncle. That boy loved his uncle. It was like that's my rider. That's my uncle. I mean, I well, I can't say this on recording. Uh, but I I never had that experience right but i had that experience with other family members but he he loved his uncle and he was a good worker he was smart because like we were we were joking last time and i was saying how they went you know and they were like oh we about to we about to we don't hit a lick you know we about to flip this and but he was he had to be strategic and smart um you know to, to be able to be as successful as he was. And he was he was an intelligent man. He was a man of great strength, but he had his weaknesses. And that was pretty much his his uh distractions. You know, you you so distracted by all of this and we gotta be careful and get these lessons, get these lessons out of out of when we read uh the word. Corruption, sin, uh focusing on the world's way of doing stuff that takes us away from God's purpose and plan uh for us all right so here here are a few things um (laughs) yeah uh change is hard change is hard but we have to trust God so when God is taking us through a transition in our lives we have to trust God and we got to keep our eyes stay on him 
versus looking at the situation circumstance like lie. He was like, oh, it looked good over there. Let me go over there. Bruh, you went straight into sin. All right. And then we we have a sinful nature. And although we are saved by God's spirit, we are subject to backsliding, right? So we have to make sure that we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us to make the right choices and to forever repent. You know, just God, this is where I am. This is where I struggle. You know, the other day, the one thing that was in my head, I'm telling you, for most of the day, I was like, Lord, do not let me say a cuss word. Because those people was getting on my nerves so bad on that job. I was like, please, Jesus. Because I, I feel like I've done so good since my mother's um, passing. I think maybe like a month after I cussed out all my siblings. but <laughs> And I ain't really cussed them out. I just was cussing. And But I'm like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to. How am I be a pastor cussing? I'm not no cussing preacher. And let me be very clear. God does not want us to cuss. It's not just a word. It is cussing. We know. We already know what's right and what's wrong. But anyway, I'm just like, Lord, help me. And I really ask God to help me in that area. So every time I feel myself being tugged in that direction, I just be like, sometimes I don't think about it consciously. But other times when I reflect back on it, I'll be like, God, thank you so much. Because I was about to cuss them out. And I really believe on this job, I can cuss somebody out and I still will have a job tomorrow. Like, like they just that goop. Like, they'll be like, okay, God. All right. Did you hear me? I just cussed you. All right. All right. Cussed you out. All right. So, oh, that's where it was. Luke. Um. It was in Luke 17, 31 and, and 32. And I might have somebody read that just so we can. And actually, we might start at 28 and go down to 32. But that's where Jesus was talking about how, you know, in the last days, we're going to be doing the same thing that they did in Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. So, all right. So a few key scriptures, Genesis 12 and 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Okay. And then in Genesis 13 and 12, Abraham led, uh, I'm sorry, Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Bad choice. Genesis 19 and 15, uh, with the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Boy, get out of there. Uh, Genesis 19, 36 uh, through 38. So both Lot and his daughters became, I'm sorry. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father, the older daughter had a son and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites. And the younger daughter had a son and she named him Ben Ami. How do we say that? Ami. Ami. And he is the father of the Ammonites. And then um, finally, uh, Luke 17. Oh, what did I say? I said we want to go. I want to read that in a different I want to read that in um, the Message Bible. Who who want to read it, or do y'all want me to read it? Um, Luke. 
I think we said Luke 17. 17, starting at 28, I think. So I'll I'll read it. Alright, so. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry, I was too high up. I should have used to start at 28. 28. Yeah. Oh, I might. Yeah, you're right. I might want to read. I want to start at 7. I mean, at 20. Come on in here. Take them shoes off. All right, so so actually, we, we are. I think that's good. Let's start at, at 20 and go all the way down. So it says, Jesus grilled by the Pharisees on the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me get my brain together. Y'all know I done had a long day at work. All right, Jesus grilled by the Pharisees on when the kingdom of God would come. Answered, the kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days on the calendar, nor when someone says, look here, or there it is. And why? Because God's kingdom is already among you. He went on to say to his disciples, the days are coming when you are going to be desperately homesick for just a, a glimpse of uh, of one of the days of the Son of Man, and you won't see a thing. And they'll say to you, look over there and look here. Don't fall for any of that nonsense. The arrival of the Son of Man is not something you can go out to see. He simply comes. Now, that's a lesson for us, right? Because everybody keeps talking about, oh, he's coming in 2012. He's coming in 1999. He's coming in. All right. So, uh, you know how the whole sky light, you know how the whole sky lights up from a single flash of lightning. That's how it will be on the days of the Son of Man. But first, it's necessary that he suffer many things to be turned down by the people of today. You gotta know who your who your loyal people are. All right, but anyway, all right. The time of the Son of Man will be like the time of Noah. Everyone carrying on as usual, having a good time right up to the day Noah boarded the ship. They suspected nothing until the flood hit and swept everything away. All right, so these are the scriptures that I wanted us to read. And it was the, it was the same in the time of Lot. The people carrying on, having a good time, business as usual. Right up to the day, Lot walked out of Sodom and a firestorm swept, swept, a firestorm swept down and burned everything to a crisp. Hmm. That's how it will be, sudden, total, when the Son of Man is revealed. When the day arrives and you're looking out, uh, working in the yard, don't run into the house to get anything. And it, yeah, we ought to learn from life. When it comes, don't run into the house looking for nothing. All right. So when the days arrive, when you're working out in the yard, don't run into the house to get anything. And if you're out in the field, don't go back and get your coat. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you grasp and cling to the life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let that life go, you'll give life on God's terms. On, On that day, two men will be in the same boat fishing, one taken, uh, the other left. Two women will be um, working in the same kitchen, one taken, the other left. Trying to take all, all this in, the disciples said, Master, where 
he told them, watch for the circling of the vultures. They'll spot the corpse first. The action will begin around my dead body. So he's preparing them for his going, but but he's referencing those two times where God just wiped, I mean, hey, you out of here. The flood was huge and that was massive and catastrophic. But then, you know, he, he had to, you know, wipe Sodom and Gomorrah out. And if we don't learn nothing else, God just be wiping them out when sin is just so prevalent, you know. But we still don't learn our lesson. All right, so I hope y'all learned something from that. So I am going... All right, so let's get into uh, the actual study. And so uh, here, here are the truths. So at each of these um, weeks, the study that we're doing, they, they give us a few guiding principles or, or uh, firm facts, right, that, that we want to uh, at, at least extract out of the stories, if not, you know, as we go through to ponder, Okay. All right, so so one is around uh, compromise, right? So compromise is a process. Lot invested himself in Sodom, and the more he invested, I hope that don't turn me off. So the more he invested, I mean, the more invested he is, the harder it is to break away. So compromise is a process. It don't just happen overnight. And we talk about uh, sometimes... Darius, India, can you pass me some um, uh, chocolate chip cookies right there? What y'all want for dinner? Y'all want um, Culver's? You want Culver's? Okay. So everybody get their order. Since he want to sit in there, he can he can go get us some Culver's and and uh, text it and then tell text your dad, Mary, and ask him. What do you want? But can y'all listen while y'all? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so remember the story that we talk about. You is you can't boil a live frog, right? Because you can. I mean, you can't boil a, a live frog if you dump them into boiling water. Because think about it, frogs are quick. You put a frog in hot boiling water, they're gonna jump out of it. But if you take that frog and put them in lukewarm water and you gradually turn up the heat, eventually the heat will get to a point that they become comfortable. And the more you turn it up and turn it up, the more it's going to feel like it's the temperature that it ought to be. And then it'll be too late because by the time they realize, oh my God, I'm boiling. It's going to be too late because your legs are, are boiled and you ain't going to be able to move unless they fall off. But anyway, that's disgusting. I'm about to eat this. <laughs> but the point that I'm making is that compromise is a process. It don't just happen. As we continue to subject ourselves to sin, we'll, we'll be more uh, inclined to sin. Sometimes I've made decisions in my life where I... I pursued things that I knew was not God's will for me because of the financial gain, the material gain, how I could provide for my family. And some of that I'm still living the, I'm reaping 
Like, I'm still reaping from that, you know, some of those things. All right, so the other point that they're making is life does not consist of the abundance of your possession. Uh, life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. Lot's wife looked back because her life was completely invested in Sodom. Your attention always rests on your heart's affection. So what what this means is, you know, life is more to life than what you got, you know. And if you so focus on the material things and, and things outside of God's will for you, then you're, it's going to be easy for you to go back to sin. And remember, Sodom and Gomorrah in this story, in this passage, represents sin. And he want, she wanted to be attached to sin because of her heart's affections. She loved all that stuff that they, that they had. All right, so through Lot, uh, I'm sorry, though Lot was a righteous man, he makes no impact on the people around him. He, he doesn't impact them. Now think about it. If you standing at the gate, that means you got some type of power and authority. And if you are an official, to me, I'm going to let my light shine wherever I'm at. So when I'm in the workplace with people, and this is for the first time in my career, I, I feel so free and liberated to share my faith. Like I will share my faith with people. As a matter of fact, it will help me to not lose my witness because I'm sharing my faith. I don't want to you know, one day share with people, you know, I'm a Christian, I love God and I love his people and, and you know, I pursue the path of peace and, and I, you know, I follow godly principles and then the next day I have to cuss you out. That ain't, that ain't the right way. <laughs> but Lot, he didn't influence the people around him and he knew, he knew. All right, so God's goal for his people is to have them to influence their neighbors. So y'all, y'all, y'all might be shy and stuff like that, but start sharing your faith. Start sharing what you know because you never know how broken people are. Now, I had a great opportunity yesterday that I did not take, and the Holy Spirit just kept speaking to me, and I'm not going to make an excuse for not doing what I knew God told me to do, but it was a missed opportunity, but it was something that I pondered on all night because I was like, man, I know what God wants me to do. But when I was waiting for you, uh, India, to come pick me up, for you and Darius to come pick me up, I decided I wanted to just walk. I don't know why I said I wanted to walk because I'm not a walker. Y'all know, number one, I don't want to walk. Number two, I had on a mask, but no gloves. So y'all know that monkey pox out there. I wasn't trying to be around nobody. But something in my head was like, okay, I just want to go for a walk. Well, I started walking and I wind up near my old job because I used to work at um, uh, First Group on 6th and Vine. And so I'm like, Dad, how did I get over here? And I'm thinking, well, I need to go sit down somewhere. And uh, and my old spot, Rocky Bottom, is closed. And I was like, <gasps> how in the world could y'all do that? That was my, my best place ever, and it's on the square. So I went in, and I sat in this place. I think it was called Green something. It was a salad place, and I brought me a salad. But I saw two young girls walk in, and one of the girls had a, had a baby. And so you guys know, over the last couple of days, I've been doing this um, training for board uh, leadership. And so a lot of the speakers that have been coming, they are 
nonprofit leaders, right? So they, I mean, these are multi-million dollar organizations, right? And they were telling their stories about how they came to be. And a few were talking about their focuses on teen moms or, you know, uh, one lady, she, I never heard of this, but she does a diaper, diaper bank, a diaper bank. Like all they focus on is getting diapers in the hands of people who can't afford them. And she was like, because the state don't do it, you know, and you go to somebody and be like, my baby don't have food. They're going to have compassion for you. But if you say my baby don't have diapers, they don't understand. And some people will go uh, make a decision. Okay, do I buy my baby diapers or do I pay my rent? Do I buy my baby diapers or do I get me some pads? You know, or something like that. But it's, it's it, I don't know, it was deep the way she, she brought it up. So anyway, a lot of the themes were around young mothers. And so the, the full circle moment for me was that I was a teen mom. And I lived in the YWCA for a period of my life when I was, I was um, a ward of the state. So I'm, I'm getting all nostalgic and sentimental and just like reinforcing like, God, you, you have a purpose for this church, I know, and I just need to get stuff together and all of this stuff is going through my mind. And here, the opportunity presents itself. And so what I heard the Holy Spirit say when I saw the young ladies was, take care of their meal. So of course, y'all know me. I, I I use money like toilet tissue. I mean, I'm a good steward over it, but I'm not attached to it. If God say give it, I'm giving it. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. But then the Holy Spirit said, and witness to them. Extend your faith. Let them know you're a pastor. You know, help them understand that there's hope. Because I'm telling you, I know I can relate to that young girl because I could I could see the baby look like she was about three or four years old and she looked like she was no older than 20 so you had to be a teen mom you know so I wanted to extend but I was like okay so half of it was I was kind of distracted I was kind of wanting to have my alone time before y'all came to get me <laughs> and so and so I'm like okay I'll pay for their meal but the Holy Spirit kept dealing with me about that, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, Don, girl, get out your own head. And the girl, before she left, said something to me, and I completely failed the assignment. I didn't even, I didn't witness to them. I didn't, I just, I paid for their meal, for sure. And I, I, I wished them well as they left, but I didn't embrace the opportunity, you know. And I'm like, Lord, I'll never do that again, you know. Uh, um and we have a, a, a responsibility like Lot because to whom much is given, much is required. And God has given us a such a uh, brilliant, monumental opportunity in this season of our lives to impart into us. I may stagger through some of the teachings or stagger through some of my own understanding because I'm I'm not a I'm not a Bible scholar. I mean, I study just like y'all. God speaks to me just like he speaks to y'all. I do have a degree in theology, but a lot of this stuff I'm relearning myself. So as we stagger through it and God start bringing these things to life in our lives, it's a great opportunity. We have to share it. 
we have to share. So anyway, that was a long story, but anyway, <laughs> all right. So where was I at and the points that they were trying to make? All right, so he, he didn't impact the people around him, but he should have. God expects us to influence our neighbors and the people around us. So increase your witness as you share your faith with others. Uh, uh, Lot's silence robs him of the power to influence. So he wanted to walk around here milly mouth knowing that he walked in authority. Excuse me. And we do that too because on one hand, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't want to be one of them pretentious people and they thinking that I done bought their lunch so I can, you know, um, persuade them to come to my church. You, you understand what I'm saying? And God is trying to get me out of that mindset. There's something still in me that says, even though I know that I know what I heard from God as far as me pastoring this church and starting the church and things like that, but there's something in me that says you got to do it under the guise of, or you have to do it behind this. You know what I'm saying? But God is saying, no, no. And so there's something in me that still wants to have that integrity to say, okay, well, I don't want her to feel like I bought her lunch so I can pull her into my church because that wasn't the purpose. I, it, listen, I'm, I am sharing my experiences to help you to enhance, you know, the betterment of your life. All right. Um, Sodom affects Lot more than Lot affects Sodom. So we got to be careful. Listen, that our lives, our beliefs, our beliefs affect the environments that we're in more so than those environments affect us. There was a time in my walk that I was leading the way, right? My faith was so strong. The godly principles that I believed in to live, it's like everybody around me, come on, y'all, let's go. And then I started to subtly, like that little frog, you know, the temperature going up and I get more complacent and comfortable with stuff and we, we don't affect our environments more than a, the environments affect us. All right, so the world loves those who are just like them and while they might tolerate others, but ultimately they persecute them. Uh, as believers, we are the outsiders. Now think about it. They, the, the um, people, when they came to get those angels. They were outsiders. They were nothing like them. And they like, okay, we're going to violate them, you know, because they weren't like them. But we go through that persecution all the time. You know, people we're peculiar. We're different. And people treat us accordingly. Alright, so we're called to be intercessors. Uh, Christians are to be in the world, in the world, but not of the world. Sexual sin is always predatory and always invites God's judgment. Sexual sin cannot be cured, it must be killed. And sin allowed to run rampant always progresses to something inhumane. All right? All right, so we're going to take a little pause right here because then we're going to go into the questions and y'all can help me answer the questions. But did y'all send y'all orders to Darius? Uh Uh-huh. All right, did you send yours? Okay, did you tell him to ask your dad? I texted that in the thread. Okay, did he respond? Uh, no. So when you called him in here, I was going to tell him to ask. Okay. Darius, come here. Which I hope you can hear the study because you should be in here.
Are you listening? Yeah, you better have that TV on. Go ask your dad if he wants something from Culver's. The girls just sent you their order. I want to. I want a fish and shrimp dinner. Then we now do fish, fish and shrimp. Fish, um, you got fish, onion rings, and fries. They don't have shrimp. Fun. I thought they have shrimp. Or the one that I got didn't have shrimp in it. Okay, I want. I'm getting it. Yes, you are getting it. I'm gonna text it, so I'm not gonna remember. I know. Can you text that, ma'am? I'm texting. And then and then do a side of shrimp. Yes, you're getting it since you came in late for Bible study. And you sitting in the living room like you can really hear us in there. Go ask your dad what he wants. Darius, who are we talking about today? Really? All right. So we're going to start out in, in Genesis chapter 13. But before we do that, let's do a review. Uh, how does God deal with sinful people and the stories that we talked up until now. So we did the creation. We talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about the fall. We talked about Cain and Abel. We talked about um, uh, Noah. We talked about Job. And now we're talking about Abraham. So how does God, how has he dealt with sinful people in, in those previous stories? Does he? I would say uh, with some sin, like they would have to sacrifice and like repent and things like that. He is a very merciful God. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Sodom and Gomorrah and then the flood, they just had to be wiped out. Just that blue card. Mm-hmm. Does God have the right? To judge sin. Yes. And why? He has the right to judge sin because he's the creator. So what he says pretty much goes. Yeah. We see in God's identity, for us as humans, we try to make stuff black and white. The one thing I cannot stand when people say this about people, they be like, Oh, she bipolar. He bipolar. No, I'm by tired. <laughs> I'm by tired of your mess. But we reflect the identity of God. And there are there are multi-layers and multi-dimensions to his judgment. And while the judgment may still come to pass, we notice with Adam and Eve, he was very merciful with them. Not only did he deal with them through loving kindness, he also gave them the sacrifice. He made the sacrifice for them to cover them from their sins. You know, so we see that. And then, you know, like you said, when the world becomes lost, we see that side of God when he's like, "Up, oh, I'm not dealing with this no more. Bye. Saint you, you know. All right, so if you go into Genesis 13, 1, 1 through 13... Take a look. What causes the strife between Abraham and Lot's men? The fact 
they had so much riches between each other. And the livestock, remember? Yeah. The livestock, like the cattle, like all of that, the, the sheep, them little goats were probably roaming around. And so it wasn't enough land. So what do people do when they when they get crunched in, they get territorial. And so they started getting territorial and want to fight. And a lot like, look, that's my uncle. But look, mm-hmm. His homeboys, they better get out of my face. All right. How do they resolve their conflict? And what does that tell you about Abraham's faith in God? Who should have had the first choice in respect uh, in a respect-oriented society? And why can Abraham give up his right to choose first? And I'm looking at this because we at, we answered this last week, but we went over it again today. Be careful. Um, so I know to resolve it, they just picked separate places to go. I would say that Abraham should have had the first choice because he's the uncle. And then, um, what was the last part? It was a three-part question. What is it? What does that tell you about Abraham's faith in God? <laughs> okay, I would just say that he had a lot of faith in God to allow, even though rightfully he's the uncle, he's the elder, he should have picked first. The fact that he let Lot pick first, and we talked about last week how Ab- Abram at the time went by faith, not by sight. Mm-hmm. So I would say he had a lot of faith in God to let him pick first. Sometimes when I'm dealing with situations in my life, and my faith is high in God. I just sit back and I be like, "You get that? Let's just see how it work out for you." Mm-hmm. We can go right ahead. Let's see how it worked out for Lot. Right. Right. Like, okay, you go ahead. You have first choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna sit back and wait because I already know God and already spoke to me what He about to do, and I have faith in Him more than I do in you. So I can relate to Him there. But you, you are right. God already promised him the whole land. Now think about it. Ooh, this another this a this another thing that just hit my mind. Abraham didn't just have faith for that moment. Right. And faith in the fact that all right, he could choose whatever side he want to go to cuz guess what? I already know wherever I go, I'm going to be good. It was a sense in him, like, it all belonged to me anyway. Right. So, let me let little man feel like he got some authority. And you go ahead and you choose. Go right ahead. Right. But that shows the selflessness of Abraham, knowing that you have ownership of this based on your faith. Sometimes we don't believe what God said. He said, this house is yours. That's what he told me until I started trying to get this mortgage and stuff wasn't working right. And one day I just was like, wait a minute, God did it before. He'll do it again. I'm declaring this is my house and I, I have still yet to go around and anoint this house, the parameter, all of the stuff that I know to do. But 
If I say to Mary, Mary, you just gonna take a take a wing. You <laughs> you can have a part of this house, or or what part you want, right? Right. What part do you want? Because I know it all belongs to me. Right. You know, but he he was very. It shows his selflessness and extending that to his nephew. You know, but he he had his nephew back. Didn't he? He had his back. Those kings came for him. He was like, they straight hood. I don't care what nobody <laughs> say. I'm convinced. Like, can you imagine? Right. Like, so I, uh, uh, they, they came here. And I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how did he know, you know, where, where was that pipeline of communication? But it had to be. Um, this is not a good example, but I watched the show. I'm not going to say the name of it. But because it was very gory, and but it was based in that era, the Old Testament type era, and it would it showed how one person would go from one kingdom to the next, and I mean like they would travel a whole year to get to another kingdom. Uh, is the news still the same? I mean they, pro- excuse me, they probably got over it. All right, so what is what does Lot base his decision on? We talked a lot about that. By sight. By sight. So what does that tell us about his values? Materialistic. Yep. His values are tied to his material and his possessions versus God. Uh, and, and and look, we ain't surprised because you came from all them, them uh, devil worshipers and idol uh, with their idol, idol gods. All right. Well, where else do we see someone making a decision based on what they see? Yep, yep. I'm trying to think. I, have we talked about any other examples? Oh, Eve. A lot. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Typically, where seeing shows up is because we are focusing on what we see and not based on the faith of God. Remember, if you think about it in the story of Job, you know, the people around him, they were so focused on what they saw and they they missed the mark. God God even got to the point where he got annoyed with them. He like, look, y'all done put all of this on my name. Re- right. What the what that one guy say? Put some respect on my name. <laughs> y'all lying on God. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna use the very person that y'all uh, uh, were trying to ridicule to pray for y'all and intercede for y'all and bring y'all. Out. All right. Uh, how how are the men of Sodom described? And what does this tell you about them uh, and about their future? And I want somebody to go to 13 and 13. Genesis 13, verse 13. Um, it says, the people of Sodom were evil, flagrant sinners against God. Yep. Yep. Evil and sinners. And that remind me of some place we live, like the US of A. Mm-hmm. You know, you got all of these people, this this is a side note, talking about they Christians and they really nationalists. Mm-hmm. You don't have a Christian bone in your body because you're not following Christ. You're following this nation mm-hmm. and the principles of this nation. And that's why uh, I was telling, I think I was sharing with you about that book I read about Christianity being the conduit to slavery. 
And that's why we were able to be deceived that way during that time into believing that our faith was driven by Christianity and it was actually being driven at that time by demonic influence. They were not Christians. They were not, they were not godly people and they were not using the Bible to promote their uh, um, agendas. They were, they were using their own words to promote their agenda. And if folk actually got in the Bible, they would have known for themselves that they were lying. Half of that stuff they said, where? Show me in the Bible where it said that. It don't say it. You're lying. All right, Genesis 14. Um, okay. And one through... Okay, so... In Genesis 14, 1 through 11, it talks about the five nations rising up uh, to fight five other nations, uh, which included Sodom, Gomorrah, and three other city-states. Ah. So the other five nations beat Sodom, Gomorrah, and all their allies, and they took all of their people uh, captive. So... Sodom and Gomorrah, which we say it all the time, but I always looked at it as one place. Mm-hmm. But that was a coming together of two cities. Mm-hmm. And it came together after um, they they had, you know, been fighting and, and warring against each other. But the point I'm trying to make is you have different kings, different kingdoms, and different uh, cultures, different ways of life. And it becomes a hodgepodge of all of that. And if you think about it, if the if the prevailing kingdom was evil, sick, and demonic, then of course they're going to influence those that they took captive in that new state of, of what they created. Man, I'm glad I read that. Wow, that, I'm telling you, it's always something new. All right, so what happens to the kings and the kingdom of Gomorrah and what happens to the goods and their people? Yep, yep, and they took all of their goods and and dispersed it amongst each other. All right, so what happened to Lot at this time? <laughs> Where does he live now, and what happens to him now that he? Li- I'm about to tell the answer in the next sentence. All right, so what happens to Lot, and what happens to him now that he lives in Sodom? So it's a trip. Them five kings and them five cities, they ain't had nothing to do with Lot. But because where he was in proximity, they were like, okay, you, we about to take you and everything you own. And his uncle was like, uh-uh, y'all ain't about to take my, my nephew. And he gave him all his possessions back, beat them up, and put him right back where he started with all his possessions. All right. Oh. <laughs> I need to I need to read these questions before I start rambling. Cause the next one is how does Abram bring Lot back and how does God bless Abram so far? When Abram heard that his nephews had been taken by prisoners, he lined up his servants, all of them born in his household, um, and chased the captors all the way to death. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Bus up, bus up. They recover everything, um, along with Lot 
Lot, they recovered all his possessions, including the women and the people. Ah, this is good. This is good. I, and I think I, I think you might have to read a little bit further to get there. If you're on Genesis 14, look around 10 through 24. I don't know exactly where. But, all right, so here's the next question. Who comes to meet Abram and who else is there? And what do we learn about... I was going to tell you. Melchizedek. And does the king of Sodom see all of this? So read. This it ain't gonna take you too long. Read Genesis 14, 10 through 24. Only 14 scriptures. Wow, I read that. Can you read the question again? Yes. Uh who comes to meet Abram? Who else is there? What do we learn about Melchizedek? Melchizedek, and does the king of Sodom see all of this? So Melchizedek is the one who came to meet Abram. Mm-hmm. You want me to read it? Just read it. You want me to read it? No, I can read it. Um... Um, 10 to 24. Mm-hmm. The valley of Sodom was full Sodom. of Sodom. The valley of Sodom was full of this one is spelled S-I-D-D-I-M. It's still the same. Oh, mm-mm. Let me read let me read it before I tell you how to read it. I was just going by what you said. Uh let's see. Genesis, what I say? 14? Yep, 10. Oh, you are right. The Valley of Sodom and Sodom is different. Okay. The Valley of Sodom was full of tar pits. When the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, they fell into the tar pits, but the rest escaped into the mountains. The four kings captured all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah all their food and equipment and went on their way. They captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who was living in Sodom at the time, taking everything he owned with them. A fugitive came and reported to Abram the Hebrew. Abram was living at the Oaks of Maori the Amorite, brother of Exkel and Honor. They were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his nephew had been taken prisoner, he lined up his servants, all of them born in his household. There were 318 of them and chased after the captors all the way to Dan. Abram and his men split into small groups and attacked by night. They chased them as far as Huba, just north of Damascus. They recovered all the plunder along with nephew Lot and his possessions, including the women and the people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedor Lamer and his allied kings, the king of Sodom came out to greet him in the valley of Sharon, the king, the king's valley. Melchizedek. Melchizedek, king of Sodom, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the high God and blessed him. Blessed be Abraham by the high God, creator of 
heaven and earth and blessed to the high God who handed you who handed your enemies over to you. Abram gave him a tenth of all of the recovered plunder. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me back the people, but keep all the plunder to yourself. But Abram told the king of Sodom, I swear to God, the high God, creator of heaven and earth, this solemn oath that I'll take nothing from you, not as much as a thread or a shoestring. I'm going to have you go around saying I made, I'm not going to have you go around saying I made Abram rich. Nothing for me other than what the men ate in the share of the men who went with me. Honor, Axel, and Marie there to get their share of the plunder. Man, that is so powerful. But that answered the question I had earlier about how did Abraham find out? And what did they oh, say? Right. Uh, um, what did they call him? They said he was a, a, a fugitive. And reported to so he was a fugitive. He probably was of one of them kingdoms that got overtaken. Right. And he probably was running, you know, and was like, hey, Abraham, by the way, they got your nephew, bro. You better right. go handle that. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to handle that. All right. So the question was, who comes to meet Abram? Yeah, and then we know all of the names of who all was with them. And uh, what do we learn about Machesedek? That he was the, what did it say it was? Oh, yeah, he was the priest of the high God. But you know what tripped me out? Abram said, I'm going to get, he said, look, I'm going to give you a 10. And so this is where the, the scripture, a lot of people have um, uh, anxiety and angst when they talk about the tithe. So this is where he's saying, I'm going to give you a tenth of the plunder because of, you know, what you did and you blessed me. So he was giving him a tenth. But he also told him, he was like, I don't want nothing from you because I'm not about to walk around here and tell nobody. <laughs> That, oh, you rich because of him. Nah, uh-uh, back up. All of my help come from God, period. He is the source of my supply. But that was strong for me. I don't know. All right, so what does the king of Sodom offer Abram? A tenth of the plunder. Yep. And, of course, we know what he responded and why. All right, so what kind of witness do Melchizedek and Abram offer the king of Sodom? they're talking about God and things like that? Yep. Oh, yeah, they're offering him, like, the true God. Yep. The, the, the God of their faith. He, they're showing him, you know, even though he didn't take heed. Uh, but they're showing him. And so we already know what happened a lot, right? He right. just, he, he got dropped back off at the, at the corner. Uh, bro, go back in there and handle your family. All right, so, so now this is around... Genesis 18, uh, 16 through 32. We won't read it, but y'all can reference it. Uh, describe God's relationship with Abram. I mean, Abraham. Oh, they were close. Mm-hmm. Um, God spoke directly 
right, and then, and I'm trying to get to 18. So, in these scriptures, I think what it shows about their relationship is there was a trust factor to where Abraham could be transparent with God and even challenge him in his final decision, right? It's like, but hold on, God, you know, I, 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 um, I trust you, but uh, we about to question some stuff here. All right, so where else do you see God sharing his plans with man? Because he, before he, before he did what he said he was going to do, he shared it with Abraham, who he chose. Who else did he do that for? Noah. Noah. And Adam and Eve. Yeah. You know, he, he did. All right, so what does this tell you about God? That and any major move of God, he's going to share it with his chosen. He's going to share it with the men and women of God. All right, so in 20 and 21, all right, uh, why has God come to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah? And what do you think it means uh, that God has heard the outcry against these cities? telling the answer in the question. I know. Okay, so I'm just reading. God continues, the cries of the victims in Sodom and Gomorrah are deafening. The sin of those cities is immense. I'm going down to see for myself, see if what they're doing is as bad as it sounds. Then I'll know. So basically, um, God dealt with them because they must be doing some really evil things if the cries of their victim is deafening to God. Like, they must be really out here tripping. And then what was the second part of the question? Um, oh, what do you think it means that God has heard the outcry against these cities? I, my personal first thing that comes to my head is they must have been killing people too. Because when, when um, Cain first killed Abel, it said that like, like every death they cry out. His blood cried from the ground. I'm telling you, that that just, that makes me think about how much injustice is in the world and how every soul that is created in the earth, God is so intimately involved that when your blood is shed unjustly, it cries out to you from the ground. That that does something to me to know that that's the kind of God that we serve and that he's that concerned. He's that concerned about unrighteousness that he said, look, I'm about to take y'all up out of here, you know, as, as a result. But I'm glad you brought that up because that was what was in my head as well. Uh, what does Abraham understand about God? That he merciful and that he means business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and while it, I don't want to say it's outside of God's 
character to destroy wickedness uh, with the righteous. But because he's done it. Can you imagine like the the Bible tells us that the people were wicked during Noah's time. And then we know um, the Tower of Babel, you know, he, he, well, he didn't destroy them. He just scattered them. But if you think about it, it had to be some righteous. It had to be some righteous with them. And if, if you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, where Abraham was saying, well, if you can find just five, you know, one, you know, if you can find just one, we're led to believe that there was not one, but the conclusion wasn't there. There's nothing definitive to say that there wasn't one, except that was an evil place. But God, when he has a purpose, it's like, okay, you know, some, some of the righteous might have to come up as a sacrifice too. All right, so we, again, we noticed that from the flood. So the next question is, how does Abraham bargain for Sodom's deliverance? What does Abraham assume about Lot's influence in Sodom? And what do we see? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. What do we, uh, The one about what does he assume about Lot's influence in Sodom? And what do we see about God's expectations of his people? And how does God respond to Abraham's boldness? And what does that tell you about him, about God? So the first one is, how did he bargain for Sodom's deliverance? He kept asking, if, if there's 40 people, if there's 30 people, if there's 20 people. Mm-hmm. He kept going down the list. But what does what Abraham assume about Lot's influence of, of Sodom? That he's had some type of positive influence that there would be good people there. Now, I done taught you and trained you the word. Why you ain't there helping other people and, and spreading the gospel? You know, a lot of times, you know, he, he the uncle, he like, I know, he, I know, listen, I know Lot is in there. And he done convinced at least one of them to turn from their wicked ways. All right. And how does God respond to uh, Abraham's boldness? And 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 that shows God's compassion, His right. mercy, you know, and 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 so forth. All right, we got a whole bunch more questions, so I'm gonna wrap. I'm gonna try to wrap this up, um, because we've been doing this for a while. I still want you all to go through these questions. So I think what we'll do is we'll come back, and we still got Genesis 19 to kind of get through our question and answer. So maybe we can do that um, next Thursday, give y'all some some time, and then we can finish this off, if that's good. And then next, after that, we're going to talk about, we're going to keep in the book of Genesis 13 through uh, 20, I think we're going to go to 21, and we're going to continue to, to track through this. But this is... I mean, this is a very, very rich story. We will never get through all of it, but at least we're getting a good, you know, foundation and a good knowledge of, of that. Now, I'm going to stop 
here, but I want to open it up to you guys to share if there's anything that you learned or anything God is speaking to you through this story. I feel like I learned a lot. This story I wasn't like super familiar with, and I hear about Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm sure the Bible digs more into it because I hear like a lot about it. Um, but what what stood out to me the most was how his wife looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. And another thing that was significant about just that is that Lot is the same bloodline as Abram. Abram's daughters are the same bloodline. I mean, no, Lot's daughters are the same bloodline as Lot and Abram. His wife wasn't. So with their, with through Abram's righteousness, Lot and his daughters were saved. But it didn't save his wife because she mm. wanted to look back. Yeah, wow. that really stuck out to me wow. when I thought about that because I'm like, none of them wanted to leave. They all were dragged out. But only him and his daughters were saved. They have that same bloodline as Abram. So by Abram's righteousness, his blood, and that's how significant blood is to God. Like, I'm learning that too about the Bible. Like, blood is very significant through the blood of Jesus and the blood of sacrifice and things like that and the bloodline. So even his own wife could not be saved. And I, I like to wonder and believe if that was someone of his bloodline who looked back, would they still have been saved? Mm. And did she not, like, first, she shouldn't have looked back. He, they already had to drag her out of there, but that really stood out to me, that part of it. Wow, and that's a great way of thinking about it because the heritage that was expended to Lot was a direct result of his lineage and attachment to Abraham and not just his material heritage but his spiritual heritage and I like how you pointed out that the wife was not of that same bloodline and that she was she was the wife so maybe she was more inclined to maybe maybe she came from one of those areas that they were like really really into the idol worship but who knows but that that's good girl yeah that was good yeah how about you Andia <laughs> you be so shy. But it's okay because the the thing about this is at the end of the day we all at the same level of understanding. And it's like God is teaching all of us at the same time. And when you feel more comfortable, I want you to like I told you earlier, I want you to know that you welcome. You know, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna press you yet. <laughs> I'll sign on paper. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, but, um, you know, because God is going to expose and reveal things to you. So always, like, even if you just say what's in your head, you know, until you feel more comfortable, you know, sharing. But, but that's the Holy Spirit, right? Because God has an anointing on both of y'all. And he's giving you the ability to... Um, to, to unearth mysteries. He exposes his mysteries to you guys. So as we continue in this study, as you feel comfortable, then, then start sharing. But yeah, I'm telling you, it's so many nuggets that, that I'm taking away from that. But the main thing is just the symbolism of everything that was there. When you take the main characters, Abraham, Lot, you know, his family, Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels, 
you know, I look at the picture a little bit different now where I see Abraham representing the covenant with God, Sodom and Gomorrah representing sin, uh, the angels representing God personified, right, in, in that area and in that time, and then the daughters and Lot representing the lack of faith, you know, because they were walking by sight and not by faith, and so their faith was lacking, so, but this was good, this was really, really good. Yeah, and I gotta figure out how to pace us. I don't know if this worked good for y'all, but I like the ideal of us listening to the scriptures oh, yeah. beforehand, and then I like the ideal of going through these questions because I'm, like I said, I I do my reading before, you know, and I take some notes and I try to jot stuff down based on, you know, what I what I've studied. But I'm not a theologian. You know, so I'm I'm studying just like y'all, and I like going through these questions. Like, it's really, really good. It's so helpful. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to end us out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for another opportunity to come together and to learn together and be imparted into, Father. We thank you for the foundation that you're giving us and, and what we're uh, gaining what we're discerning, what we're garnering from your instruction. We thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit to just guide us and to teach us in this season of our lives. Father, let your word become alive to us as we continue to go through this journey together. And Father, for those that you have uh, um, ordained to be a part of this journey with us, just stir up, stir up the gift in them. I have my own ideals. I, of course, want to see my children more active, Lord God, but only if it's your will. But Father God, my prayer is that no matter where they come along the journey, that they will complete the and finish the, the task and, and go with us to the finish line. That it doesn't matter how late they are to the journey, but that when they're connected with us, that they do not fall off. And not for the sake of building um, ministry or building numbers or anything like that, but because I know that you desire for us to live a life that is congruent with your will, your purpose, and your plan, and live a life that is uh, enhanced through your kingdom, that allows us to promote your kingdom and to live as kingdom citizens. So help us to come together. I pray that even this Bible study, Lord God, that uh, a testimony will come from it, that those some were drawn, Lord God, to come with us. And, and we want everybody to feel welcome. And as we're learning together, there are no uh, chiefs and, and nobody who knows anything more. We may be exposed to more things, but Father God, your Holy Spirit will fast track us to to knowledge and understanding and you take the foolish things to confound the the um you know the most intelligent so i just thank you and i praise you i do not take it for granted i thank you for these humble beginnings i thank you lord god for those that you are drawing i thank you for mariana and india today lord god that they didn't see it as robbery for them to come and sit together and and learn together and just fellowship together lord god as we continue to expand and and to build this foundation Lord God help them to um to to 
experience you in a way, Lord God, that they've never experienced you before. Help them to allow your word to become alive in their lives and help them, Lord God, to enlarge their territory and begin to witness and share their faith and feel bold uh, in, in sharing with others, Lord God. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen. All right, ladies. We done did it.